So the big question is, how do healthcare experts like you generate more income, impact more people, and create businesses that work around their lifestyle and serve their family? If you want the answer to that question, then you're in the right place at the right time. Whether you are a physical therapist, a dietitian, an occupational therapist, a chiropractor, MD, or other healthcare expert, this is for you. My name is Javier Carlin and welcome to Healthcare Business Radio. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share the top business growth strategies that I'm currently using to grow my own business and to help you grow yours using only the best insights and advice from top industry leaders. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This episode is a live recording of a training in our free Facebook group, Business Growth Secrets for Dietitians and Nutrition Coaches. If you are a registered dietitian, RD2B, or nutrition coach interested in learning more about how you can start and grow your nutrition business, then we'd like to invite you to join us in our Facebook group where you can receive additional resources and trainings to help you on your journey. Thanks for joining us. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Online Business Growth Secrets group. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, We have a special guest with us tonight. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, uh, typically we have our uh, Monday live trainings every single week at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So this is a special uh, interview that we're having here uh, with Sarah. My name is Javier Carlin. I'm a physical therapist and this is Marissa Case and she's a registered dietitian. And uh, we are here every single week to serve you and answer as many of your questions as possible when it comes to business and marketing and sales. But sometimes, right, there are people out there like Sarah who have specific skill sets that they can help you a lot more than we ever can. And that's why we want to, we wanted to bring Sarah in from Destination Legal to answer as many legal questions as she can in a short amount of time that we have today. So uh, we're really excited uh, for, for tonight. I know we had a ton of questions that people were asking. And you know, Sarah's gonna go ahead and share with us um, the top five legal mistakes. And as she's sharing that with you, feel free to to ask um, any questions that come up. And if we can, we'll get to them uh, either in between or at the end. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Sarah, I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away. Uh, Again, thank you for being here with us. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Um, and I will try to make this as painless as possible. It is my goal to make legal something uh, that is empowering for you in your business and not something you find scary. So my name is Sarah Walbuser. I'm an attorney. I work with a lot of online business owners, coaches, creators in the online space, helping them legally protect their businesses with contracts, terms, and registered trademarks. And we're gonna talk about all that fun stuff tonight. Um, I am a mama of two little boys and a big traveler and a foodie um, and love business as well. So I have been doing this for over five years at Destination Legal and have helped thousands of people protect their businesses 
um, in what I hope is a fun and easy way. So tonight we're talking about some of the most common legal mistakes that I find when people are starting their businesses. And I know that a lot of you um, are dietitians. I've worked with a lot of people in the health and wellness space. Something unique about Destination Legal is that we actually have contracts specific to health coaches, wellness practitioners. We don't just group you in with all of the coaches, right? Because you guys are in the health industry. And so you need different disclaimers, you need different contracts, and we'll dive into that um, a little bit tonight. So one of the biggest mistakes that I see is not using contracts. This is the number one. I, you know, when people come to me and they're like, Sarah, what's the most important thing I need when I'm starting my business online? And it's a contract. And I know a lot of you as RDs and PTs, potentially you're moving your businesses online. You're not just working locally in your state anymore. And, you know, something we'll touch on is that most likely you are also going to be wearing the hat as health coach, right? Because legally in some states you cannot be an rd unless you are licensed there i'm sure you all are familiar with this and you're kind of navigating what at this time is a pretty um gray water right so you know you're an rd and you're licensed in florida and you have a client in new york and so at that point you become a health coach right because you cannot necessarily um practice in in new york without a license and so you know, the law is ever changing. The online world is way ahead of where the law is. Coaching in general is an unregulated industry. So the way things are now for you guys, this seems to be working for people, right? And so the main thing you just need to keep out for, watch out for is making sure you aren't crossing those lines. And part of ensuring that is making sure the wording in your contract says, in this capacity, I am acting as a health coach, not necessarily a registered dietitian, and you need to make sure you aren't giving some of those specific, you know, nutrition plans and all of that kind of stuff. Um, there are some websites, I'm sure you know the map, the red, the yellow, the orange, that will tell you what different states, and you know, some states have reciprocity, some states you don't need a license. What I have found for most people it's easier just to go by health coach unless you're working in your own state then you really only need those two contracts so happy to answer any questions on that but your contract really is the most important legal piece of your business a lot of people think it's it could be it's insurance i need business insurance i need professional liability insurance all that that is important but your contract is what protects you from needing that in the first place, right? So a contract is what keeps you from being sued, keeps you out of court. And you know, it's only if you have a judgment against you that you might actually need that insurance. So this really is the key. It outlines what is included in your packaging. This is for when you're working one-on-one -on -one typically. Um, what's included, how many sessions, what do they get? What's your payment and refund policy? What if they miss a session? What's your cancellation policy? Contracts are really about creating boundaries with your clients, both for you and for them. And it just creates a nicer experience for both of you to have this document that outlines all of these things that you're thinking about. So the terms of payment refund, really important. 
Disclaimers are extremely important for anyone in the health and wellness industry. And, and basically that's saying there are no guarantees. You know, I'm, I can't guarantee you're going to lose 10 pounds. I can't guarantee I'm going to cure your inflammation. I can't guarantee that you're going to have more energy. Of course, these are all hopeful byproducts of working with you, but you can't make any of those promises. And so those disclaimers are really important. The other thing they do is if you are recommending supplements, recipes, you know, other books, other resources, they protect you from liability should something go wrong. So should your client have an allergic reaction and decide to sue you? Or should your, you know, let's say you're showing um, some exercises or some stretches and they get injured and they decide they want to sue you? Does this happen all the time? No, thank goodness, but it does happen. And so 99 out of 100 clients are amazing, but there is that one. And if you haven't met that one yet, you will, because the longer you're in business, you will run into them occasionally. And so contracts are where it's really important to have that. Um, so those disclaimers are just really key. And, and they also include language in there, like around testimonials. So even if you saw these three women on my website have amazing results and, you know, I helped them get pregnant with their diet and all of that, there's no guarantees that that's going to happen to you. So again, we all hope these are our results, but, but no promises. And so then there's just some other legal, um, sections in any any contract so intellectual property protection if you're creating workbooks or tool kits or guides or anything like that for your clients you just want to make sure that you own them um, and that they can only use them for those purposes they can't take them and decide hey i want to be a health coach too so i'm going to start selling these that i got for my coach that's a big no-no one question i saw pop up was around using client images and success you know stories and things like that and what kind of permissions do you need um you should have this in your contract that they are giving you permission to to use photos or they can, of course, opt out, but you certainly want their permission, especially when you're dealing with, you know, body images and, and all of that kind of stuff. So to just, you know, protect yourself, make sure that that type of language is included and they can opt out if they want. Um, but if not, that that is in there. Um, some other, you know, clauses that are typically in there are around dispute resolution and jurisdiction. So should something go wrong, how do we solve this? All of our contracts, you know, want you to solve things through arbitration and mediation, not a lawsuit. So, so that's our preferred method. It's, it's less expensive. It's a little bit nicer um, than a lawsuit. And then, you know, there's non-disparagement clauses, which are optional. <laughs> and basically that says if a client is unhappy with you, they can't just take to the internet. Um, they have to come to you. Now, it doesn't mean they can't leave a bad review. It basically means they can't stalk you on social media. Um, making up a bunch of stuff. So, you know, contracts, again, are not something that should be scary. It's it's meant to protect you, to help you. It's the legal foundation of your business. Another question um, that we had gotten beforehand was just on signing the contract, onboarding a client. How does all of that work? There are so many great tools these days for client onboarding and management. Um, Dubsado, Satori, um, you know, HelloSign, eSign, all of these allow you to electronically sign your contract. And some of them, like Satori and Dubsado, allow you to, at the same time, 
pay an invoice and set up a scheduling time and all of that stuff. So this can really be done all at one time. I know, you know, at least in the coaching world, sometimes people pay before they actually sign the contract. And that's okay as long as you get that contract signed within 24, 48 hours. And you absolutely do not do any coaching or anything until that is signed. And don't go spend that money until that is signed. Because if you have no contract, you know, you have you have no refund policy, which means you have to give it back, right? So don't spend that money until that contract is signed. Um, so that's, you know, there are the main things that can happen if you don't have a contract are, you know, you get sued easier. Um, you have to give money back if someone requests because you have no policy in place. Um, you know, there's kind of unclear expectations and boundaries or intellectual properties and as protected. So there's just a lot of good reasons to have that right off the bat. So I'm going to pause there, see if there's any questions around contracts for your one-on-one -on -one clients specifically. Yeah, that was, that was super helpful. We're going to go ahead and look through the comments. We see them, they've been rolling in. Let's see. Um, just to clarify for um, Megan had a question, um, contracts between RD and client. Is that the contract that you're referring to? Yeah, absolutely. So one-on-one -on -one service between an RD slash health coach and a client. Perfect. And we got another question that says, does an attorney need to write the contract? So an attorney, it's not legally required that an attorney write a contract, but it is absolutely uh, suggested um, because you don't know what you don't know, right? You didn't go to law school. You didn't spend three years there. You don't know what needs to go in a contract. And so what I see a lot are people trying to piece things together. Well, I like that from her contract and she used that, he used that in his contract. And so I'll just piece it all together and I'm sure it will be fine. But you never know, right? So you don't you don't know you don't know, and it's better to have an attorney drafted contract or template, right? So this is why Destination Legal exists. We know everyone doesn't want to go out and go to a big law firm and pay five thousand dollars to get a custom contract, and it's not necessary. And so templates are you know the middle ground there where you can get an attorney drafted reviewed contract for a couple hundred bucks and know that you're protected versus trying to piece it together or committing copyright infringement by just taking someone else's contract, which you definitely can't do either. Awesome. Yeah. Great questions. Uh, does anyone else have any, any questions specifically around this topic? And let's see. Yeah. And, and your website's fantastic. Um, we have a link for that. We can drop it too, but you have all those templates. So they're amazing. Yeah. We, we have everything you need. And so, you know, Moving on to number two, after having your contract, the another top mistake people make when starting a business where they're working more in the online world is not protecting their website. And so your per, your website actually needs certain things to be legally compliant in the US and Canada all around the world. And so I'm going to talk about just a couple of those pieces. And, you know, your website, if you have a blog, a newsletter, you're automatically just opening yourself up to legal liability. Anytime you put information out there, anytime you say, hey, try this recipe or this is what worked for me or I love this new supplement, you, you open your business up to liability. And so what protects you from that 
are terms of service and disclaimers. And so again, disclaimers similar to what you would have in your contract, but more around your content. This is just information, education only, not to be construed as professional advice. Um, and it goes in, the terms go in the footer of your website and cover your blog and your newsletter and everything like that. And it also outlines, you know, what's, what's the purpose of your website, what people can and can't do with the information on it. So they can read it and ingest it, but they can't copy it and put it on their own blog, right? Um, and then if you are linking to third-party sites, Amazon, again, making product supplement suggestions, again, you open yourself up to liability through that if you're an affiliate, things like that. And so your terms of service include all of that as well. And so, you know, your terms of service and disclaimers are about protecting you from visitors to your website. And then we have our privacy policy, which is legally required in the U.S. If you don't have it, you can get fined. And that's about protecting visitors to your website. So it outlines what, you know, what information are you collecting about me? What are you intending to do with it? You're not going to sell it. You're not going to share it. You're going to use it just because I signed up for your newsletter. Um, and things like that. You might, you know, it includes information on tracking signals and pixels and things like that. Um, but again, it's legally required. You can get fined if you don't have it. You can, your Facebook ads won't get through if you don't have it. So there's just certain things about it. It needs to be in the footer on every page of your website and then also on any landing pages where you might be collecting emails. So that's a little bit on website protection any questions on that perfect uh let's see so if anyone has any questions on website protection please drop them down uh and connie asks let's see what's the price range for templates for all documents needed yeah so you know on our site um our template our single template starts at 400 and then we have bundles that go up to 1200 that would have everything that you need um i've seen you know that's a similar range if you're looking at other online attorneys anywhere from three to five hundred for a single template and then five to fifteen hundred for a bundle and I was actually talking to someone about this, someone interested and in just talking about pricing and all of this stuff. And it really is amazing that this market has developed because if you went to an attorney for one of these bundles, it would be between five and $10,000. So the fact that you can get a, a attorney drafted template for your business for under 500 bucks is, is pretty awesome. Um, and you guys have a code too for, and then they'll get 10% off. So don't forget that. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that, that link that we just dropped, everyone, uh, you get 10% off if you use that link there. Okay. But they have to put in their code. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll drop the code. Yeah. Yeah. The code is clinical freedom fighter, like hobby shirt. <laughs> oh, says. there it is. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, it's so worth it to pay that money and just have peace of mind, really. Like it really, it really is confidence and peace of mind. That is exactly, that is exactly what you got. Um, so, you know, contract and website is kind of like the layer, the beginning layer of your business. And then as you grow, there's a couple other things to think about. And so one mistake, you know, this is the third mistake people make is that if they're starting a group program or hosting a retreat or mastermind or something like that with people, 
um, that they aren't using the right terms of purchase or they aren't using a contract at all. They're like, oh, I'm not working one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just teaching over Zoom, so I don't need any legal protection. And that's wrong, right? Anytime you are collecting money, you want to make sure to have either a, a signed contract or an agreement of terms of purchase in place. And so terms of purchase for a group program, online course, anything you're selling is similar to a one-on-one -on -one contract. The big distinction is, is that it's agreed to online at the point of checkout with like a checkbox, right? By clicking here, you agree to our terms of purchase. We all do it all the time. And it exists because if you have a thousand people in your group program, amazing, but it, it wouldn't make sense to have all thousand people sign a one-on-one -on -one contract, right? It's just too hard. And so terms of purchase exist as kind of the electronic answer to big sales. So online courses, things where you're having 50, 100, 500 people sign up. And they include a lot of the things that we talked about for the one-on-one. -on -one. So they include your terms of the program or course or membership site or whatever you're offering, what's included, what's not included, how long do they have access, um, your payment and refund policy, your disclaimers, are you recording the calls that are on and what do you do with those recordings? Again, this copyright uh, intellectual property protection. One of the big differences is that a one-on-one -on -one contract would include a confidentiality clause, whereas a terms a purchase wouldn't because you can't guarantee confidentiality in a group program. Um, and includes, you know, similar in terms of jurisdiction dispute resolution. So they are similar in a lot of what's offered, a few, a few differences, and then the main one being how it's agreed to and you know that changes the wording of the contract in general um, but again this is what you would use for an online course membership um, group program anything you know where you would expect a lot of people to join and it does have to be at the point of purchase you can't just stick it in the footer they have to have the option to agree with it or if there's no check the box just make sure the language is right at the checkout button by clicking here, I, you know, I'm agreeing to the terms of purchase, and then usually you're linking to it on another page on your website. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we have we have a few questions that are popping up now. Um, so let's see. Uh, one question is, what about a Stripe checkout? Do we also need a privacy policy or something? Do you mean like they just check out at Stripe and there's no option to agree to a terms of purchase? Yeah, because you you can set up a, a invoice or yeah you, you can set up an invoice straight straight from Stripe and it sends a payment link. So I'm not sure if they have their own terms of purchase or how that works. Okay, so, so you don't want Stripe's terms of purchase. You don't need a privacy policy for for purchasing. They they are agree they hmm. they are agreeing to your privacy policy basically just by being on your website. So you don't need the privacy policy, but you do want them to agree to the terms of purchase. Most payment processors have a way to do this. I know Stripe does, PayPal, you can, you know, there's a box at the bottom that says terms and conditions, and then you can just input a link or say by paying, you're agreeing to our terms found at, and here's the website. And mm. so there's a couple different ways depending you know, Thrivecart, you can you can do it. Most websites. So these days, most processors and checkout pages have a way for you to add in your link. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So hopefully that's helpful, Arlene.
Um, let's see. So Sarah asks, can you look at our contract and let us know if we are missing? Is that more expensive than the templates? Yes, that's more expensive than the templates. <laughs> for me to look at your contract is more expensive than the templates. <laughs> yeah. Take more of your time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, and typically, I learned this early on years ago because I did it a few times. I have to start from scratch basically anyway. And so you're better off just getting the template. Yeah, that, perfect. that makes perfect makes sense. sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Um, let's see. Um, Kimberly asks, the group in private contracts would be in which package you offer? Thank you very much. Okay, so... More specific question about about the group and private contracts. Yeah, so so let me just talk quickly about the offering. So we have so most of you, if you're you know an RD, you're going to want the health coaching contract, and so we have you can buy that as a single health coaching contract. Then we have our starter our starter bundle for health coaches, which includes your one on one contract and your website collection. So everything I talked about for the website. That's kind of your starter level. And then we have our deluxe bundle for health coaches, which includes all of that plus your terms of purchase for a group program. So that okay. basically encompasses, you know, everything. And then, you know, down the road, if you're hosting retreats or hiring team members, we have separate contracts for those. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So awesome. the starter, the starter deluxe, um, would be the two the two bundles depending on if you're doing a course or a program at this time. So starter and deluxe. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Excellent. Uh, let's see. So Jessica asks, do we need policies uh, about discovery calls? So um, Jessica, I think so the discovery calls for you, I'm, I'm assuming are free discovery sessions. Um, where you're you're having a conversation with someone, figuring out where they're at to get them to possibly move forward. So I think I think that's what she's asking, uh, Sarah. Yeah. So typically not because you you really shouldn't be doing a lot of coaching and such on a discovery call, right? You're just figuring out if you're going to be a good fit, talking about how you might work together, and not really offering any you know dietary nutrition advice so you and you're not being paid so you wouldn't necessarily need a contract for that if you are doing one-off sessions where you are getting into some nitty-gritty and giving some you know nutrition or dietary or you know advice then you can always use the one-on-one -on -one contract and just you know it's just for one call mm, okay perfect yeah uh, i'm gonna go ahead and and uh ask two more and then we can move on to, okay. to the next one. So are group contracts separate from private one-on-one -on -one client contracts? I think you said yes. Yes, because private one-on-one -on -one is, you know, includes a confidentiality clause and some other specifics for one-on-one -on -one services, packages, programs. Um, and then a group contract for a group program is just different because there's no confidentiality. Um, what's offered is typically different. You might be recording calls. You might, you know, um, be, be doing more marketing with seeing everyone in the group and things like that. And then again, the terms of purchase for a group is agreed to online, whereas one-to-one -one contracts are typically signed. Perfect. Got it. 
we have a few other good questions. So I'm going to go ahead and, and get these questions answered, uh, okay. if you don't mind, Sarah. So, yeah, <laughs> so Arlene asked, do they need to sign a contract for a free session if they won it in a contest? So I would, right? I'm an attorney. I, you know, I'm probably more risk averse. In that case, I'd probably take my one-on-one -on -one contract, remove the payment section mm. because you're still, you know, opening yourself up to liability. You still might be sharing intellectual property. There's still, you know, issues around that. And so one easy fix is to just take your one-on-one -on -one, you know, shorten it, remove the payment stuff, and then have them sign. And, you know, it's usually not an issue. And your clients, I think, respect that because they know you're taking it seriously and they like to see, they like to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Uh, and then Pamela, uh, can templates be edited or modified? Yeah, absolutely. So templates, the whole purpose is like, we want you to be able to customize it for your business. And actually, I've tried hard to make it easy to do that. So the way our one on one contract works is it's like, here's your contract. And then you have an attachment that you can update depending on the packages you're offering, how many sessions, how much they cost, all of that. So what that allows you to do is to just update that attachment without having to mess with the legalese because everything really is there for a reason. So it comes with directions on how to customize it, you know, business name, location, what's in your program, things like that. But modifications, as long as you're not trying to like legally rewrite it are fine. If you're just updating it based on your business, then you're good to go. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. So moving on to number four. And so, you know, one mistake I see a lot with business owners is at the beginning, just focusing on the wrong things and letting it stop you from moving forward. So what I see a lot is a lot of confusion and misinformation around LLCs and when to incorporate. Everyone's like, I need my LLC. I can't do anything. I can't take a client until I become an LLC. And then I don't know how to become an LLC. And do I need a lawyer to be an LLC? Um, and so separately, actually, we're launching like a $27 product on how to make your own LLC. So stay tuned for that. It's just a workbook on how to do it because you don't need a lawyer, right? So this is something you can do on your own, doesn't take too much time. And, you know, depending on your state is usually a couple hundred bucks, but it's not the first thing that you need to do. Your contract is the most important piece of your legal toolbox. Becoming an LLC, incorporating as a business entity is important, but it doesn't need to be your focus at the beginning. So don't let that stop you if it has been. Just within the first, you know, six months to a year, or if you've made more than 50K, then you want to, because what a limited liability company does is it separates your personal and business assets. So what that means is if there is a judgment or something against you, they can't get to your house or your car, the money in your personal account. They can only get to what's in the business. So there is some important legal protection there. But again, what like I said at the beginning, what keeps you from the judgment is having a solid contract in place first, right? Um, so you you want to do an LLC, but if you haven't yet and you, you know, don't let it stop you from moving forward and getting clients and things like that. It does make it easier to get a business bank account and you get an EIN and certainly there is a level of legitimacy when people see LLC behind your name. So you want to you want to 
think about it, as I said, within the first six months to a year, but it doesn't need to be step one. Step one is the contract. So I just, I get a lot of questions on LLCs. And so I just like to, to let everyone breathe a sigh of relief that you are a sole proprietor just because you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And, and one thing to add, I know um, there have been people that I, that I've had conversations with that, you know, they'll, they'll actually go to these websites to have those LLCs formed for them. And while that's, that can be fine, uh, I'm not sure how true this is every single time, but I've had someone that had to wait like eight to 12 weeks for their LLC. And that, that should not be the case. Like you can get that thing like in a matter of a week. Yes, or, 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 a week, or less. Yeah. yeah, or less. And if you need a rush, like your the, your state will take your money and they'll rush it in 24 hours. Yeah. And something great about this new product we're putting out is it includes links to every specific state office where you need to go. Because I think people don't know that it's actually the yeah. small business section of your secretary of state within your state. And so um, hopefully it will be something that's really helpful. But yeah, it you know, Legal Zoom. then they try to tack on all of these extra fees and all of this stuff that you just don't need. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I had a conversation. It's like, it's been two months and you haven't gotten like your LLC. Your, your paperwork is sitting on someone's desk. Yeah, <laughs> it's like 10, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes at like, yeah. that's it to, to get yeah. that all done on your own. So do it on your own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. We do have a question. Um, Sarah asks, is a single person LLC less safe than a multi-person? No, they're, they're the same. The difference is, are you in a partnership or have multiple people at the head of your business or is it just you? So if you're a single person, you can't be a multi-member. You're a single member automatically. So they're the same safety-wise. The only difference is how many people are in charge got it yeah so if you if it's just you and your business just do a single member but if you're you know in a partnership or something like that where you want to be equal share then you would do a multi-member perfect awesome yes and we have so one question here do we need to be worried about how the contracts are signed do electronic signatures or type signatures hold up hold up on a contract yep Absolutely. Um, I'm dealing, this is an aside, I'm dealing on another legal matter with an attorney who I'm fairly certain is 90 years old because he had never heard of HelloSign and is making us mail the documents back and forth. <laughs> um, but courts have found electronic signatures, you know, through any of these things are just as legally binding as if you had printed it off, signed it, sent it in the mail. Cool. Very good to know. Yeah. There you go. No snail mail here. Just <laughs> click a button, you're good to go. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So moving on to the last mistake, and this one comes up a lot. I actually had a call before this where this business had made this mistake, and that is waiting too long to protect your intellectual property with a trademark. And so, you know, a trademark is a registered trademark is something that allows you to own your brand. It allows you to uh, have this business asset and no one within your industry can use it. So just as a real life example, this, this uh, client of mine had, has had a podcast and been around for 10 years 
and just within the past three months saw another podcast name just about the same pop up and they realized oh gosh i need to trademark this and you know i get this a lot where someone waits a little bit too long and then they see someone else with a similar name they start to panic because they that other person could get the trademark so a trademark is basically a designation of goods or services and who sells it so if you look at Javier's hat, Who's who Who makes that, right? We all know that it's Nike, and you can bet that swoosh is trademarked. They own it. Adidas cannot take an arrow and put it on any piece of athletic equipment or clothing, right? And so you see a uh, green coffee cup with a little mermaid circle, and you know that that's not Dunkin' Donuts. You know it's Starbucks. So it's a designation of goods or services. And in the online space and in the coaching world, trademarks become really important for your programs, for your business names, for your course names, things that you are selling over and over again and you plan to have in a long time in your business, it's important to protect them. Because if you don't, you could lose them and have to completely rebrand or someone, you could end up in a, a case of trademark infringement even if you were using it first, right? So it doesn't matter who's using it first, it's who trademarks it first. And so a registered trademark is the little R that you see. I'm trying to see if I have any around. I think I moved them all downstairs. Um, a means registered trademark, it means that business owns it. Sometimes you see the TM and what that means is I'm intending to register it, I want to own this, but I don't yet. The TM actually has no legal significance. It's just something people put out there. But the R does. The R has a lot of power. You know, the Kardashians have over 700 trademarks. Amazon has over 900. A lot of my clients are on third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So, um, you know, this isn't necessarily something you need to think about at the very beginning of your business, although you can get a trademark anytime as long as you're selling something or thinking about it. So again, in the online space, that's typically coaching services, uh, online courses, membership sites, masterminds, podcasts, a blog name, anything like that. Um, and a trademark is a process, okay? So it is something that you wanna use an attorney for. It can take over a year to get this through. There's a lot of ins and outs to it. There are 45 different classes of goods and services you have to pick the right one you have to describe it properly you have to submit an application lots of steps so it's something that that i really love doing because it is so powerful and once you do have it you just you know you are confident in using your brand you know that nobody else can use it um and so that's a really great thing so you know i often get the question of well how do i know if it's time and so I like to use something called the gut punch test. I think you guys have heard me talk about this before. Basically, the gut punch test is think about the name of your business, or your program or whatever. And if you got a cease and desist email tomorrow saying that you had to stop using it and rebrand in the next 30 days, how would you feel? If you got a little gut punch, it's time to trademark. If you're like, oh, no, that's fine. Um, then it's not. But I see this all the time. People wait too long and then they get really upset about losing the name and having to rebrand and, and do the whole thing. So don't wait too long. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's it. So that's those are the five things. Happy to see what other questions have come in. I'll look at my list. For Marissa, I think I covered most of these. Perfect. Yes, I yeah. see. I see a couple questions um, on trademarks. So did, did you have any other questions there? You're good? No, I think I covered most of what she sent. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So let's see. So uh, one question is, what is the trademark process? Uh, clearly, all of this is new for me. Oh, yeah, totally fine, Megan. That's that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's new for everyone. So, um, you know, you wouldn't be expected to know the trademark process unless you're a trademark attorney. Basically, the process is there's an application that you fill out um, that has basic, you know, business information. What's the trademark? Um, prior to that, what we do, at least, is we do a comprehensive legal search of the trademark database and other trademarks out there to make sure that you aren't in conflict already, because somebody already has your trademark, there's no point in applying for it, right? So we, we make sure that there's like a green light there. You submit an application that includes what class of goods or services you want to be protected under. You have to attach a specimen that you're actually using the mark in commerce, that you are actually selling a product or service, and then you submit it and it takes a long time. So then an attorney at USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, will get your application, review it, and it could be six or seven or eight months before you hear anything. And then either everything is good and it goes on to the next step or something's wrong and you get an office action. So this could be something easy like your class description is doesn't make sense to us or your specimen isn't good enough or harder, which is like your trademark, we think USPTO thinks conflicts with another one. Hmm. And then you then, you know, if you're not an attorney there's no way you can respond to this because it's like you have to submit a legal argument as to why your trademark isn't in conflict with this other one. And so then you go through, you know, then the attorney, you have six months to respond to that. And so then the attorney reviews and they decide yes or no. And if it's still no, you still get another chance to argue and that can keep going. If it's a yes, then you move on to publication where you know there's an official gazette a uspto where trademarks are published and anyone in the public has 30 days to oppose a trademark they think is in conflict so you know sometimes uspto is like oh this looks fine and then a company is watching and is like no this isn't fine this is in conflict with us and then it can go one of two ways either you know you can fight it sometimes people will settle and say well it's not really in conflict, you know, and I promise I will only use it in these ways and not in these ways. And that's rare. Often you're not going to get an opposition. I think I've had two in five years, maybe. And then those 30 days pass and then you're good to go and that's it. And then it registers within another eight weeks and you get your certificate and you can use your R and you're all set. So again, the process takes anywhere from 12 months to two years, depending on wow. if you have an office action, if there's a conflict, if there's opposition. So there's just a lot of things that can happen, which is why you want to use an attorney. You know, some people try on their own and then they I think it's 75 percent don't get through because there's just a little lot of nuances that, that can happen along the way. Yeah, that's a crazy process. It is. Like. It is. Wow. So, so here, hearing that too, I'm thinking like, 
you know, if you're watching this, like you better be committed to your business <laughs> and make sure you're also getting clients. You've got your process down. And, and like you mentioned, like, you know, you, you have the name that you're like, like, this is it. Like I, uh, I'm in it for the long haul and this is what I want to do. And this is the program. This is, this is the, the business name that I want to have. Uh, and then you go ahead and trademark it. So exactly. Yeah. You don't want to do this if it's just, oh, I like this name for the next six weeks. No, this is, yeah. you are committed that this is going <laughs> to be your name for a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So uh, Sarah asked, do you need a, do you need to trademark a logo? So you, you can, but you don't need to. So, so they have word marks and design marks. So the arrow on the hat is a design mark. Starbucks has trademarked the word Starbucks and the logo, but the word mark is what is valuable because logos can change. So unless you're like totally into this logo and you want it forever, then I always suggest doing the word mark because if you trademark words in the logo and then you stop using the logo, you lose the protection of the words too. So it's definitely, mm. um, unless you're really sure that that's the logo you want forever, I always say do the word mark, do the words. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good to know. That's awesome. Let's see, uh, do you trademark your company name or having an LLC claims the name? No, having an LLC does nothing for you. All it means is that no one else in your same state can have the same LLC name. It has nothing to do with trademarking. It offers no real protection other than, again, no one in your state can have that LLC name. It doesn't mean someone else can't trademark it federally and have it be protected. And then if they do that, you actually won't be able to use the name publicly, even if you are the LLC. So we just had this happen where um, one of my clients has the trademark now and there was someone else that was using it on her Instagram and all this stuff. And it turns out she actually only works locally in one state. And so now she has to change all of her public facing domain name Instagram, anything on the internet, but we're allowing her to keep using her LLC name in her legal documents and things like that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Let's see. So, so, so what I heard too was if, if your business name is your website and someone trademarks that because you didn't first, you also have to get rid of that domain. If exactly. they send you a cease and desist, now yeah. you could just be there and maybe they never find you. Yes. But but if they do and you're in the same industry, then yeah. yes, you would have to give up your domain. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Tiana, my account, I'm guessing that's my accountant said, I do not need a trademark because my business name uh, or trademark my business name because I'm a corporation. Is that true? I mean, first of all, don't ask your accountant trademark questions. You know, <laughs> said, said with love, right? Like I, I don't. My accountant does my taxes, but doesn't know anything about trademarks. So, just <laughs> just having a business name, you you don't need to do it. You don't need to ever trademark anything. The reason to do it is if you want to own the name, so that nobody else can use it in your industry. If you just have a name of your business and you're fine, if um 
you know, if at some point you had to change it or update it or something, fine. The whole point of having a trademark is so that you have the power behind it, which means you own the name and you can stop other people from using it. Mm. Got it. Awesome. Typically, you know, business names don't always have to be public, right? So like, you might not even know the name of my LLC unless you look at my contracts. Now, mine happens to be Destination Legal LLC, but if you look at Tony Robbins, like, you know, he has Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins over here, and then his LLC corporation is actually like Robbins International, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to necessarily, and I he hasn't trademarked Robbins International. He certainly has trademarked Tony Robbins because he's Tony Robbins, but don't <laughs> get confused. Your, your business legal name doesn't have to be public at all. You could have a totally different brand. Got it. Yeah. On that note, so if your brand is your name, do you trademark your name? I knew you were going to ask that. (laughs) (laughs) So so you you can't actually, unless you are like Tony Robbins. So in order to trademark your name, you have to show that you are very, 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 very well known by like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people such that it would be confusing, you know. Tori Birch, Kate Spade, some of these people that have, um, but typically you're not going to be able to at this stage, nor would you probably need to, right? Yeah, totally, totally. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, maybe next year we'll trademark. Maybe next, uh, <laughs> what I see more is what I see more <laughs> is um, using your first name. So one of my clients is uh, is a health coach. Um, and she's stronger with Sarah, right? So she, that's her trademark mm. and that's her name. Okay. And so that you can do. I have another client, uh, Rita made me do it. Her cold mm. coaching is like, Rita made me do it. Rita's her name. So you can certainly use your first name in a trademark like that. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. That's that, good to that's know. Helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. I know, I know we're nearing the end here. Do we have time for, for one last question? Yeah. Yeah. I have seven okay. more minutes. Okay, perfect. So uh, I have a question about taking certification courses, let's say for PT, then using this information in our courses. Let's say I take a course on fall prevention and I use what I learned when treating patients in an in-person business. But if I use this knowledge in my course or group coaching, am I breaking someone's copywriting? So that's a great question. And you need you need to look at the terms of your certification and what you agreed to, because some will say you can use our information in educating others as long as you give us credit or you cannot use any of our information whatsoever. Or if you want to, you have to pay us a licensing fee. If you're just in general teaching, you know, in person and not copying content word for word and and passing it off as your own typically that is okay because that's what we right we all learn knowledge that we then share but what you can't do is copy word for word unless you have permission and so copyright you know we didn't get too much into it copyright protection law is automatic so if you write something if you create something in the world you own it, nobody else can sell it, use it without your permission. Um, so if that happens, um, you could, and they have registered their copyright, you could get sued for copyright infringement. So you wanna be careful. Um, look at the certification, look at what you agreed to, see if there's any guidance there. Sometimes it doesn't hurt to just be like, 
you know, hey, whatever, I loved this course. Like, do you mind if I use this chapter in this way and just describe how you're going to do it? But again, if you're just doing a stretch or showing someone a stretch that you learned in another course, then you're fine. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful, Sarah. Well, this was this was super helpful. Um, and again, is there any anything that we should have asked that we didn't? I mean, we covered we a covered a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys probably know more now than 80% of your colleagues out there. So uh good for you for being here. And you know, uh you can always find me at destinationlegal.com. We talked about the templates, you know, you have the the link and the code for 10% off and yeah thanks for having me perfect this awesome was, this was so so helpful i know so many dietitians and other facebook groups have legal questions um and so i always direct them to you you're absolutely fantastic so it was just great having you on and sharing your knowledge so thank you yeah you're welcome and the the best place i think you just mentioned it but the best place to, to find find out more about you and yeah learn yeah yeah so destinationlegal.com or on instagram at destination legal are usually the the two main spots beautiful Perfect. awesome so i'm gonna go ahead once we finish up here i'll also put the link to the website so you all can get 10 percent off uh so make sure you go into that uh, site and look for what you need uh and again uh sarah thank you so much for being here i uh, really truly appreciate uh your time you are welcome thanks all righty take care everyone have a great night we'll see you next week Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn how to build a successful business. So I have something special just for you. If you are a healthcare expert who is in business or is aspiring to be, and you're curious about how to grow a profitable, impactful business, then you are going to want to pay attention because as a listener of this show, I want you to win. So I've created a bundle of resources exclusively for the listeners of healthcare business radio. If you are tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you are ready to implement what's already proven to work, rather than reinventing the wheel, you are going to want to head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider. And there you will find over $7,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching that is only available for listeners of this show. So if you want to know how to increase your income, impact more people, and build a business that works for the lifestyle that you want and that serves your family at the highest possible level, head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider right now so you can win big in your healthcare business and in life.